This is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the Dice Over Everything companion podcast where we choose a bunch of topics and talk about them for as long as the dice decide. All right, let's get into it. What have you been slaving away at at your painting desk? Three minutes. So, um, I have been working on my Hack is Lamb. So, I'm getting pretty close now. So, it's kind of funny. Like, I was a little bit annoyed at how long it took for the Operation... uh, What's it called? The new one? Blackwind? Yeah, Operation Blackwind to come out because it was released for a while. But it took a while for us to get it in Canada. However... Besides unboxing and looking at the models, I haven't actually started working on them because I've actually been busy finishing all of the other Hackers Lamb models for my uh, assassins that have been on my painting table for the longest time. So I've all hopefully by this week I'll have completed uh, all of those models and I will have started on my new Hackers Lamb models. All right. Yeah, well, I think I've mentioned before what I'm doing with assassins. I'm just amassing them until I have enough that's like an entire army. Anyhow. Yeah, well, to be fair, uh, it's not actually... I'm not painting all just four assassins. I'm painting for my general Hackislam army because I have like eight gulams. And you can only really run four gulams anyways in assassins. So I'm kind of cheating and, and doing a whole bunch of stuff that's doubling up besides like three or four models that are purely assassins or vanilla. Oh, yeah, the line troopers that are gulams, even though you can only take four of them. I have nine of them for that army. But I'm going to repaint yeah. them anyways. Um, <clears throat> so what I've been so doing... How about you? I have been assembling models and priming them just for our skirmish game. So from various nice. factions. So stuff I had on order or things you gave me for 3D printing that arrived. Uh-huh. So I was just assembling them, priming them in some of the final nice days outside of mm. priming weather. Yeah, you said that like you, you try to prime everything earlier because it gets worse, right, in the winter, but global warming is showing us that we could continue the paint to, to prime maybe well into December, maybe. Wasn't it like two days ago it was like 19 degrees or something like that in November? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so I guess on that note, might as well drop a bit about like priming in cold weather because we live in Canada. Yeah. If I do prime in the winter months, mm-hmm. I often just because it matters the temperature. Part of it is the temperature of the guy you're spraying onto, mm-hmm. and like. So if you take the thing outside, you spray it a little bit, like with some, with some thick coats, bring it inside so it can dry. Yeah, okay, you're gonna get the fumes inside, but at least it's not like right out of the can. And mm-hmm. you bring, like, another tray of guys. You spray that. You bring it back inside so mm-hmm. that layer can dry. And it's not windy. You can kind of prime in the winter that way without it being too bad. But it's not it's not as good. Yeah, humidity, humidity is low in the winter, right? Mm, the, the air can't hold very much humidity because when the air is yeah. cold. But as long as you bring them back in, the humidity inside is usually low so they can dry okay. properly. But okay, it's so, not ideal because you have to run back and forth and it's cold. You can't just like put the guys next to you. Yeah. So, okay, fair enough. Anyhow. So push comes to shove, you will actually have – you can prime in the winter. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's risky. All right. So uh, you got a question then? Sure. So I guess both of us probably listen to a bunch of podcasts and any of our listeners clearly listen to podcasts. And I think I've mentioned before about 
listening to too much Twitch lately. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that like the people there don't like usually refer to their listeners as listener or like hey you or whatever. They start creating names for their communities. Mm-hmm. Just wondering what your thought like and you can have other communities like your gaming community or that. Like, what are your thoughts on creating names for communities? Like, should you? And what's how, is it helpful? Two minutes. Um, I really don't have an opinion on this. I've never really thought about it. I personally don't like it. It it makes it feel like it's too almost like partisan and and too close i don't know i like i like having a sort of separation between there like i'm listening to them because i enjoy what they're talking about but like saying that you are giving the the community a name i know it's good for them because it attaches it gives you a sort of identity with that part of your identity is being part of that community which is good for retention but i don't like that idea in general uh i guess for me the 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 names and the identities i have are you know self-chosen and not about following someone but more like hobbies or things like that so for example Mm -hmm. i'm a miniature gamer right i'm a miniature painter but i'm not like a i don't know french fryer or something like that if there's a community like that yeah i think what mostly made me think about it is because i was watching trapped under plastic podcast and the uh-huh. I don't I don't know if you remember when they give to their community. Goody peepees or something like that? Yeah, that's, it's not just like fam. It's like just yeah. going for bizarre names for your community. It's funny, but you're like, oh. That's- and it helps build community. I think yeah. it's probably good overall. I'm just not comfortable with it. You feel like it's being forced on you rather than you, you yeah. joining it? Yeah, feels a little bit artificial as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking after asking that question that because our podcast is Dice Over Everything, D-O-E. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe the listeners' names should be doer <laughs> should be doers. No, does. Does. Yeah. Yo, doe. Not just bros. Yeah. Does. Does. I was thinking more like the deer, but you know, female deers. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with miniature painting, but then again, Goody PP doesn't either, so. No, it doesn't. All right. You got a question? Yes. Yes, I do. So. For our uh, does. That's yeah, not going to stick. Uh, so. Um, so I have been thinking about a lot about War Machine because I think last time we mentioned that I bought this uh, company of Ironbox and I've been thinking about like all of those different things. Um, and. So Company of Iron or War Machine, the setting for Private Press, has generally been like a steampunk kind of setting, right? And so my question is, uh, how would you rate – I don't – like how would you rate steampunk versus Lord of the Rings fantasy versus sci-fi versus Conan fantasy? That's too many things to – oh my god. Whatever. It's two different types of fantasy, sci-fi, and steampunk. Five oh. minutes. So – so two. You, you can say low whole, or high fantasy if you want. So like steampunk fantasy versus standard fantasy, like. A steampunk versus fantasy versus sci-fi. 
Would you actually ever play a steampunk fantasy game? Like, what is? Do you like steampunk? Do you rate it higher, lower than oh. Lord of the Rings or or Conan fantasy? Oh, so I think I actually do like steampunk fantasy more, only because it introduces pirate elements, and I'm just a sucker for pirates. Ah, so like pirates I mean, with magic is trumps knights with magic. Yeah, I find knights is often too much the same, and I feel like the setting is kind of constricted. You can only you can't have enough going on in low fantasy. Well, you were saying compared to high fantasy, so you can have a bit more going on. Uh-huh. But I don't I don't know. I haven't been inclined to paint that many like fantasy fantasy armies. It's always been like getting mm-hmm. things to be more weird. Like I realize in steampunk you'd have stuff like guns. I don't think I care about the gun part as much. Mm-hmm. But just the aesthetic of like, slightly more modern and just more more options out there rather than trying to stay true to something. Mm-hmm. I think just being steampunk allows more creativity in the designs. Interesting. Yeah, so I feel like I actually am not that into steampunk. To me, the only thing you get with like I again, I'm not that into guns either. I do like pirates, but like pirates is just Age of Sail, right? That's actually technically before Victorian era steampunk kind of fantasy, right? So to me, one of the things that you can do is you could do Mediterranean uh, ships, right? So like you can do like early medieval, uh, I don't know, like Sinbad the Sailor kind of stuff. So, so the problem I think we have with Lord of the Rings fantasy is there's too much Lord of the Rings. It's not the actual era, because if you think about medieval times, it's a huge period of time. It's like, what, 1,000 to 1,400, something like that? Yep. Right? I guess 1,000 maybe is more is a little bit too early, but like something around that time. If you, The problem is we are constantly are looking at it in like European medieval times – and it's not even just European. It's just like French, generally French-English kind of medieval with some ger- Germanic stuff thrown in, right? That's where we generally and, – and, and, you know, like that's where we look at it, right? But if you go to the east and the southeast, you start picking up like the Middle East and all the things that were going there, right? Like you, you, you start picking up like all the Islamic Empire stuff, right? And then you also have the uh, – you know, the Mongolians, right? All this kind of stuff happening. You have China as well. Like, there's a lot of stuff, and, and India, right? There's a lot of stuff happening in that period of time with a lot of variety that we, because we're obsessed with the West and Lord of the Rings as the basis of fantasy, like knights and wizards, right? Arthurian fantasy, we don't see. So and I think, I think that's why Song of Ice and Fire miniatures seem like seemed way cooler to me than like the Lord of the Rings ones. Cause they do mm-hmm. look eastwards to yeah. get more different aesthetics going on in the world. It's obviously not like direct, obviously not direct parallels to them. They're just yeah, yeah. inspired Still by fantasy. Yeah, yeah. They're from that but era, but they're inspired by like yeah. more things than just yeah, the middle. Yeah. The middle East. And also like, I don't know what the horse Lords are. They're Doth, a little bit the mix Doth of everything. They are like Mongolian inspired plus some other Eastern stuff. Well, the not the exactly Mongolian. Yeah, actually, they don't go they, very heavy they don't on show bows, bow, do they? They don't show bows. Shoot bows. They run yeah. around and slash you up with a sword, and they don't wear armor. Yeah. So who knows what the, <laughs> what 
they're inspired by. Uh, the only thing that's Mongolian is that they're supposed to be very powerful and they all run around on horses. Mm-hmm. But the actual combat, I feel like, is not is not really like. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's why I'm thinking. Like, I don't think we need to do that. I think there's so much rich like medieval history outside of Europe that I don't. I'm not really that into Victorian Europe. I'm not that into the guns, and I'm not that because you know bows and arrows are basically fine, right? And throwing knives and stuff like that, especially for miniature gaming. They're fine. Mm-hmm. And so, and then on top of that, uh, the other thing is robots. And I love robots, but I prefer my robots in uh, science fiction rather than steampunk. So it, Yeah, your robots can't look that cool if you're still keeping them, keeping them historic age of, like, yeah. steam. Yeah, and that's not to say, like, I don't like steampunk. It's just below those other things for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you got a question? Oh, did we do three Wait. two five? I oh, believe did we, we do three, three two five. Two. Oh, so that's it. All right, man. Well, this has been uh, this episode, I guess, of Daiso for Everything. So if you have any questions that you want us to answer, we'll give you short or long answers depending on what the dice decide. Yep. Email uh, us at mm-hmm. yeah, not not our choice. Uh, email us at contact at dice over everything. Yep, or find us on Facebook. We're dice over everything. This has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.